Today is the first Sunday after the Feast of the Epiphany. An Epiphany being a revealing or recognition. The Feast of the Epiphany is that day when we celebrate the wise men, also known as the Magi, arriving in Bethlehem and recognizing Jesus as the newborn King of the Jews. This first Sunday after Epiphany, we take a closer look at another Epiphany moment in the Gospels when Jesus is revealed as the Son of God to a wider collection of people. In our Gospel passage today, from the third chapter of Matthew, we read the story of the baptism of Jesus. In the process of that baptism, God the Father making an announcement to all that Jesus is His Son. There's a few things going on that are all packed into this particularly short passage, so I'm going to read it over again. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And Jesus came to John, who was baptizing people in the Jordan. Before going any further, we have to make a point of, of saying baptism was not invented by the Christians. The Jewish people had been doing it for years. But there is a difference though. The Jews were baptizing as a ritual cleaning and it was repeated over and over and over again as they came in and out of the temple. John the Baptist, and remember, John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin, and was the very first person to recognize Jesus, even while he was still in the womb. He jumped when Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus, arrived at the home of his mother Elizabeth. Now John, we know as John the Baptist, has adapted the rite of baptism to a slightly different purpose. John the Baptist was baptizing for the repentance from sins. Just a few verses before we began reading today, When you look up at verse 11, John declares, I baptize you for repentance. John baptizes for the purpose of repentance, and then he adds that there is one who is coming, the Messiah, Jesus, will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So he's changed it, and he recognizes that it's going to change yet again. In this quick turn of phrase, John the Baptist reveals the meaning, the purpose, and the effect of baptism all are about to change. Now in our passage, Jesus, who John the Baptist, being his cousin, knows well and knows that he's the Messiah, approached John at the River Jordan where John was performing his baptism of repentance. And John the Baptist, seeing Jesus approach, tries to turn Jesus away from the obvious intent of being baptized. Our text says John would have prevented Jesus, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. 
John is making clear that he knows and he wants all those within hearing range to know, Jesus, you do not have any sins for which you need to repent. You are absolutely and completely sinless. My baptism of repentance does not apply to you. In fact, I need the baptism that you provide. I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to mark me as, to seal me as, one of God's own. And that term, the sealing of the baptism, excuse me, sealing of the Holy Spirit, comes to us from the Apostle Paul when he sends his letter to the Ephesians, says it's the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. John the Baptist is saying, Jesus, do not have me baptize you, please. I need you to baptize me. But Jesus answered John the Baptist. Now, I love that phrase because there are a few different places in the Gospel when the followers of Jesus basically say, look, Jesus, I know you're God and all, but about this right here, you're going about it all the wrong way. Let me straighten you out on this fact. Let me give you some advice. And when Peter did it, Jesus replied, Get behind me, Satan. John the Baptist gets off easy. Matthew simply says, But Jesus answered him. Jesus responds to John gently. Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. You do not understand, John, but trust me, this is needed. What is needed is but not because of sin. Jesus had no sin. We covered that. So what, why, why was it needed? I'll tell you, when I was in seminary, this question got debated and tossed around quite a bit. Why was Jesus baptized? Discussion, debate, argument. We came up with a lot of different theories we never had any answers. And the professor simple, professors simply detailed some of the theories, many of which were part of our discussions and debate, but never gave any definitive answers. It was not for many years after I graduated that I came to an answer that I believed to be correct. And it took me looking at a few different factors. The first is that baptism is a sacrament. It, like the other sacraments, creates a change in the recipient. St. Peter declares boldly to his, in his first epistle, Baptism now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And St. Peter explains further, In Jesus also you were circumcised by a circumcision made without hands, by putting off of the body of the flesh, but the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him. Now remember earlier I mentioned that the Jews were baptizing, but they did so over and over again as a cleansing ritual. When Jesus transforms baptism, it becomes the Christian mode of circumcision and therefore can only be done once. And equally important, unlike that physical circumcision, which was restricted to Jewish males only, the circumcision of Christ, which is baptism, is available to all. 
The Apostle Paul tells us in his letter to the Galatians, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit and the sacrament of baptism sealing the baptized until the day of redemption is a radically inclusive action. It does not matter who you are. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knows all of this change that's about to happen. All of this conversion of the practice of baptism to one of His given sacraments. He knows all of this is about to occur. John the Baptist knows that baptism will change, but he has no idea as to the ramifications. And there they are, face to face, and Jesus says to John, trust me, this is required for all righteousness. Jesus knew how the power of God was about to be infused into the waters of baptism for the sake of changing lives and making Christians open to all people, providing all righteousness. And that is what I finally recognized. Jesus, in His baptism, was not being changed, was not repenting. Jesus was changing the water so that it can change us. And I thought myself quite clever when I figured that out. It was some time later that I started reading the patristics, that fancy way of saying the various early or the very earliest Christians, and then I realized I wasn't so clever. I should have been reading the patristics a lot earlier because I hadn't come up with anything new. When I read the patristics first, Theodore, and I have no idea how to pronounce the city where he was a bishop, Mopsuestia is as close as I can come. The mid-300s, late 300s, early 400s. He was a member of what was called the Antiochian school, meaning he was a biblical literalist. He wrote, Jesus was baptized that He might hollow the waters and bestow upon us through the basin regeneration and adoption and remission of sins and all other blessings that came to us through baptism. Then there is... Hillary from the mid-300s. Jesus had no need for baptism. Rather, through him, the cleansing act was sanctified to become the waters of our baptism. And most famous of all, St. Augustine, Bishop of Hippo, near the end of the 300s, wrote most eloquently, The Savior willed to be baptized, not that he might himself be cleansed, but to cleanse the water for us. From the time that himself was dipped in the water, from that time he washed away all our sins in water. And let none wonder that water itself, corporal substance, is said to be the effectual effectual to the purification of the soul. It is so effectual, reaching to and searching out the hidden recesses of the conscious, subtle and penetrating in its own nature, made yet more so by Christ's blessing, It touches the hidden springs of life, the secret places of the soul, by virtue of its all-pervading dew. The course of blessing is even yet more penetrating than the flow of waters. Thus the blessing which, like a spiritual river, flows on from the Savior's baptism 
has filled the basins of all pools and the courses of all fountains. Quite simply, Jesus acted like us in John's baptism so that we could become like him in his baptism. John the Baptist, not knowing any of this, trusted Jesus, baptized him, and as soon as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit descended as a dove, and the voice of God the Father told all the world, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And all those gathered there had their moment of epiphany. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Messiah to His people, the Savior of the world, was standing there before him, before them. The mission of John was complete. Baptism was forever transformed. And Jesus' ministry here on earth was openly declared. Repent, be baptized, be forgiven your sins, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit sealing you until the day of redemption. Amen.